you're in for the gospel and trying to serve Jesus the best you can, or you're not even trying and you're going over to the other side. And in a way, that's good. Even people who never go to church, even some atheists, know that there's something wrong with the fabric of our country is going in the wrong direction. And as a result, people are turning to Jesus. We see things from our own perspective so much that we can't see the big picture. God is in control. I've read the back of the book, and we win. And even if the horrible things in the book of Revelation come true, and we believe they do, and they're pretty bad if they do, and it almost feels like we're rushing headlong (laughs) into that, that's still good because it's part of God's plan. As believers, what do we do? We end up in the presence of Jesus. Invested with purpose, making the most out of your time, talent, and treasures. Pull up a seat and join us as we uncover powerful testimonies that are sure to move and inspire you. Meet Christians from all walks of life and hear their incredible stories that will both motivate and challenge the way you view the world. These men and women exemplify Christian values and biblical stewardship in areas of mission, finance, entertainment, sports, and more. Grace and peace. You're listening to Invested with Purpose, making the most out of our time, talent, and treasure. My name is Orlando Aska. And I'm Brian Mumbert. And today we have a very special guest with us. Yes, today in studio, we have with us Steve Strang of Charisma Media. And I'd love to introduce him for you. Steve Strang is the founder of Charisma Magazine and an award-winning journalist, entrepreneur, businessman, and author. He's the founder and CEO of Charisma Media, and in 2005 was named by Time Magazine as one of the 25 most influential evangelicals in America. So thank you, Steve, for joining us. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. And Steve, I wanted to talk with you a little bit. You've been a staple of the Orlando community for a long time. When did you start Charisma Magazine? Well, I moved here to work for the Orlando Sentinel. I'm almost ashamed to say that now. (laughs) It's become such a rag. Well, back then it was probably more of a reputable newspaper. It was a pretty powerful newspaper. Uh, I expected that I would live in Orlando for a year and move on to something better. That was what I was thinking. Hmm. But uh, my wife and I got real involved in a church. And also, the journalism profession was starting to go to the dogs back then. The Sentinel was anything but objective. Mm-hmm. And the kind of wokeness that we see now had at least had its seeds. And I just decided, I, even though I had trained to be a secular journalist and had a measure of success at a young age, uh, I decided I did not want to spend my life uh, clawing my way to the top. And at the same time, uh, in that I think it's fair to say that I was an on-fire Christian, And I wanted to do something for the Lord, but I wasn't a preacher. I'm not a theologian. And so I had an idea, and I went to the leaders of my church and persuaded them to let me publish a church magazine. And that church magazine was called Charisma. Wow. And I actually did it as a side job while I worked at the Sentinel. As a believer in Jesus, I believe that God has a plan and purpose for humanity. It's spelled out in the Bible. I believe the only way to live is to serve Christ and to be and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I've de- designed, that's what I've devoted my life to. 
Yes, I'm a businessman. I'm a publisher, but I didn't do it because I, oh, there's a market there. I think I can make a lot of money and sell the company or do mm-hmm. whatever normally people do. Ours is really a ministry, but we're because of the nature of publishing, um, we're organized as a business. But that's also given me a lot of freedom because nonprofit ministries are hindered when it comes to speaking out about certain issues. I'm not hindered at all. I believe, listen, I believe in the free press, mm-hmm. the First Amendment, which is also freedom of religion. And, um, and I, I think that the free press has a place in our culture. I believe it's done a lot of good. It doesn't seem to be so free anymore. It seems to be a mouthpiece for the left. But so in a way, you know, we're being counterculture. And I've spent my life doing this. And it's it's been a lot of fun. You know, I enjoy going to work every day. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to travel the world and interview a lot of interesting people. When it came time to interview Donald Trump, guess who is the journalist who inter- interviewed mm-hmm. him? <laughs> I was. And I've gotten into a lot of meetings uh, because they figure that I represent a certain segment of the Christian community. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. You know, we have the challenge sometimes, or not the challenge, but the question of where to draw the line. And so my question is, as far as Christian media is concerned and wanted to communicate, you know, regardless of denominations standing together in Christ and believing the essentials, it has to be, I would assume that there would be challenges in regard to keeping foundational truths um, amidst so many that maybe go too far in a certain direction, but wanting to keep the peace. Where where do you draw the, or how do you utilize wisdom in regard to that? Um, from so many different perspectives, I'm sure that there could be um, some things that may be cause for concern. So how... How do you deal? How, how do you deal with communicating that, but saying, you know, we're we're all here for the same purpose? But, um, yeah, you know, in regard to Timothy, um, or from our perspective here, you know, we see that from maybe some of the screens that we have. Um, so we draw the lines in certain places, but others may not. Um, how do you see that conversation? That's where the Holy Spirit comes in to give us wisdom. Mm-hmm. Read the book of Proverbs. Mm-hmm. In his day, he was dealing with a lot of the same questions, and none of us are going to get it right. We certainly don't. But A, you try. B, you do the very best you can. And C, you change if you have to. And I've, I have opportunity to be on television and, and different interviews. And I always try to encourage people that if God can use me, because I was not trained as a businessman, I don't come from a money background. I wasn't even trained in business, but I had a dream. I had a purpose. And I believed God. You know, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to believe God. And there are a lot of things that you can just pray and believe and can see come to pass if we have a vision and have faith. There's definitely some similarities to Art starting Timothy plan and having this dream, this vision that he had and and the, the goal to see it through and what you're describing with charisma as well. How how did you get distribution? I mean, so you started it in church, a local church here in Orlando. That, that church is still here. I know Calvary Assembly. Um, but how did you get it from church level to nation level. <laughs> well, first of all, let me comment on Art Alley, who I have a lot of respect for, and I knew him back when he was starting. And he he also met a need. 
he met a need that other people didn't meet. He was in the right place at the right time. He also is enormously skilled. Um, he's been able to attract a very high caliber of staff, in my opinion, because I'm, you know, just over the years, we've had a lot of interaction. Mm -hmm. And I think he's a real great success story. In terms of distribution, we did start at a large church. The first subscribers, we started with 400 subscribers. They were all church members. We charged $3 a year, if you can imagine. The magazine was 50 cents. We charged $300 a page for advertising. How in the world can I remember that? I can't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday. Um, but I guess those things stick in your mind. And, you know, I our expenses were pretty low. And it was a lot of it was word of mouth. And also back in the day, there were these Jesus festivals. And we oh, would yeah. get a booth and people would sign up. A couple of ministries got behind us. And we were kind of the new kid on the block. And we were a lot of the magazines back in the day and there were quite a few were kind of stuffy and predictable and we were writing about the new messianic movement i remember and about jesus music that's what we used to call it mm -hmm. you know it was when i started it was controversial to have a drum set inside the church <laughs> most churches had an organ and a piano i was in one of those churches <laughs> and one of a, and once in a while a guitar an acoustic guitar, and that was it. And so we would write about these kinds of things. Listen, and that's part of what we try to do at Charisma Media is we try to cover what's going on. So Mario Murillo, who hardly anybody has heard of, is having these great tent revivals, and people are coming from all over the country. To I've been to some of his meetings, and there's a lot of examples of that. Does it get any media play? But let me give it a little disclaimer before we go on. Back in the 50s and 60s, bookstores would not carry Christian books except for a handful like maybe Norman Vincent Peale. Uh, TV had almost no Christian content at all except maybe on Sunday morning. All that's kind of gone away. The whole uh, national religious broadcasters and the whole Christian bookselling industry was counterculture Mm -hmm. And that was in a day that now we think of in very nice terms. But what is different now is that good is called evil. So trying to raise your kids with traditional values in a traditional home with a husband and wife, you're considered some kind of bigot. I read recently that people were insulted by the terms husband and wife because... That wasn't their lifestyle. Prior, me and Brian were talking about um, how media has changed so much um, and how you were an innovator in the space of getting the word out. And you talked about some of that briefly. Just would love to hear your thoughts on how you think, uh, I guess, the culture and media in general seems to be catching up to that way of, you know, kind of taking ownership into uh, what the narrative is. And um, another point that you made that I appreciated was of how doing things the way that God has ordained them is countercultural. Um, you know, being a husband and wife and, you know, the uh, family unit being something that's frowned upon. Um, it's just really interesting how things have been kind of flipped on their head and we're made to seem like the crazy ones, you know, mm -hmm. for wanting to do things the way that God has said. So that was just a, a thought um, that I appreciate. Well, if you stand back, yeah. you know, there are people that w want to do, the Bible talked about it. people want to do what was right in their own eyes. Mm-hmm. 
it's like any kind of evil was okay is okay. Mm-hmm. That you you can take any kind of drug, have any kind of intimacy with anyone at any time, in any way, in any place. You know, I don't want to be too graphic. Mm-hmm. And what's stopping that? Mm-hmm. What? It is the values that ultimately come from the Word of God. Even people who believe those values, who maybe do not go to church or do not serve Jesus in the way that that we would encourage people to do, is from that basis, right? So they have to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. They have to get rid of it. It's just like when communism takes over. They have to get rid of whatever democracy there might be in the culture. And so we have to understand that this is the battle. They consider us an enemy, but it's not the people. It's the spirits behind it. And, you know, Nazism was pretty bad. We tend to forget that. And there have been some communism. How many millions? The communists have killed many more than Hitler ever. Hitler was only in power for 20 years or so. The Lord is, I believe the Lord is raising up a standard. I believe that, uh, you know, for years, the whole Christian community has been going along to get along. I mean, you can go all the way back to the Middle Ages and track through um, history. Uh, but the Lord always raises up a standard. I think that hypocrisy is going away. Either you're in for the gospel and trying to serve Jesus as best you can, or you're not even trying and you're going over to the other side. And in a way, that's good because people are getting more and more desperate that people know, even even people who never go to church, even some atheists know that there's something wrong with the fabric of our country. It's going in the wrong direction. And as a result, people are turning to Jesus. The media won't acknowledge it. They make it, they make it sound, they play up all the time that church attendance is down. Some of the church attendance is down from what I said. You don't need to go to church on Sunday morning to make people think you're a good person. If you don't feel like going to church, you just stay home. But do they talk, cover that the Assemblies of God has grown 17 years in a row? I did not know that. I mean, that is bucking the trend. And there are some other churches that are growing as well. Um, And part of it is that they focus on the bad. They don't focus on the good. They even try to make Christians think, oh, you know, there's a scandal and that scandal. There are too many scandals. But guess what? There were scandals in the early church. The Apostle Paul dealt with it in the book of Corinthians. What they were doing was pretty gross. And God has always used imperfect people. I mean, I'm reading through the Bible and reading about um, Abraham and Isaac this morning. And guess what? Both of them did some pretty naughty things. But God has always used imperfect people. Nostalgia is one one heck of a of a thing. You you always romanticize the past. You you remember it better than it was because you want to remember the good and you block or out the bad. We look at it from our perspective. And someone said that life is like a passing parade. Some people are seeing the trombonist, you know, at the beginning of the parade. And other people are seeing the middle of the parade. And other people are seeing the elephants and the pooper scooper at the end. Some Christians are like teenage boys that have suddenly, their hormones are developing. And they think the whole world is interested in that. And no, it's just that they've become interested in that. 
And so we see things from our own perspective so much that we can't see the big picture. But God is in control. I've read the back of the book, and we win. And even if the horrible things in the book of Revelation come true, and we believe they do, and they're pretty bad if they do, and it almost feels like we're rushing headlong (laughs) into that, that's still good Mm -hmm. because it's part of God's plan, which the book of Revelation says a lot of people are going to die. Why do we, as believers, what do we do? We end up in the presence of Jesus. The faster we get through these really bad times, (laughs) the quicker we get to the millennial reign of Christ. And so, I don't know if that encourages anyone else, but I encourage myself by thinking that way. Now, do I want to live through that? I don't think so, and I doubt you do either. You know, we all want to live a good and peaceful life. The Bible tells us to pray that way. There have been, listen, the Apostle Paul thought that Jesus was going to return Mm -hmm. in his day. And how many people have thought that Jesus was going to come? The Seventh-day Adventist denomination started because their leader said that Jesus was going to come in 1844. My parents had a book in our house, 88 Reasons Why Christ Will Return in 1988. Listen, I can remember (laughs) 1988. I remember that hubbub. The fact is that the Bible says no man knows the date or the hour, not even the Son of Man himself. Sometimes I feel like on one hand it's this, and on the other hand it's that, but life is complicated. And when we think we figured it out, we really haven't. Wisdom is sort of being able to take all this information and understand it, and I believe that we have to understand it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why I wrote my book, Spirit-Led Living in an Upside-Down World. Well, there's a lot of parallels to... What you were saying earlier about um, going along to get along versus now you're seeing, you know, you're either in or you're out on the whole Christianity thing. And, you know, being in the biblically responsible investment world, it's becoming that too, where you're seeing companies that are making these audacious stands that uh, are completely countercultural to Christianity. And it's forcing people into like, a, am I, do I want to be a part of this? Do I want, do I even want to shop there? Do I want to invest there? Do I want to be a part of this? It's really um, clarifying, I guess, a lot of things in our industry, um, which is kind of like a, a symptom of what's going on in the culture right now. It's just, you're, yeah, you're in or you're out. When I was a kid, it was wrong to have a television. <laughs> They said it was like there was some people, they were, you know, they were kind of fanatics, but they said it's like bringing a toilet into your living room. Hmm. Well, guess what? <laughs> they were right. <laughs> I think that in the same way that there's a separation between, I think there's been a separation even in the church on all these things that really aren't that important. Because really what's important is that you love Jesus that your heart is pure, that you don't have offense, that there's not private sin in your life, rather than you do a bunch of do's and don'ts. Because some of those people who follow those do's and don'ts, they were some They're of the meanest. They're not even Christians. They were some of the meanest people you ever saw. And they were condemning, and, and really it, caused, it hurt the cause of Christ. We can't afford to do that anymore. You know, I hate to get on a negative note, but I mean, there were times when Christians would argue and not even cooperate because they had a different view of baptism mm-hmm. or their view of communion was different. And they would argue and, and, not, and kind of shun each other. We don't have time for that anymore. If you believe 
that the Bible is true, that God created the world, that Jesus came to redeem mankind. I mean, we have to work together. And so in a way, all this persecution, you know, persecution has always purified the church. And I believe that that's happening. So a while back when you were talking, you mentioned you interviewed Donald Trump. And uh, reading through your bio, he's not the only president you've interviewed. You've interviewed four presidents. And uh, we were talking before the start of the show. So that that was uh, two Bushes and Trump and Obama, correct? That's right. So one of those things is not like the other. <laughs> well, I, How did you end up interviewing Obama? <laughs> well, when Obama won the nomination in around May of that year, when was that? 08. He invited about 50 evangelical leaders they were trying to get the evangelical community behind him. Mm-hmm. And most of them were kind of liberal denominations. I don't want to say any names. Mm-hmm. But there was also Franklin Graham. Uh, T.D. Jakes was there. I sat next to Max Lucado. I think Joel Hunter from Northam was maybe part Joel of Joel Hunter and I went up on the same plane. Oh, yeah. I showed up at the airport. It's <laughs> like... Oh, why are you flying to Washington? <laughs> Funny you should ask. <laughs> and so we kind of hung out. I've been friends with Joel for a long, long time. And that, you know, he became friends with Obama and mm-hmm. good for him. Um, there were only two or three conservative, really conservative people in the room. Uh, so Obama was not president when I interviewed him. Mm-hmm. But we sat around a table and it was kind of like a news conference setting. We could all, uh, everyone in the room did not ask a question because I'm used to that kind of setting. I spoke up and actually asked the first question. And I asked him, I said, the constituency that I serve is almost entirely pro-life. And I elaborate a little bit more. I said, what do I tell my constituency about your stand on abortion? Mm -hmm. So I asked him the only difficult question of the day. I tried to do it in a respectful way. And I had read his book or one of his books in which he had dealt with the thing. And he he said pretty much what he said in the book, that abortion is never um, preferred Mm -hmm. and we need to try to stop unwanted pregnancies, which I agree with. Absolutely. And you know what? In that in that sort of Christian setting, he he tried to make us feel that his view is harmless. I don't know if I'm telling you right. Mm hmm. Now, with the Bushes, uh, I had a mentor named Doug Weed who died uh, about a year ago. And through a whole series of things, he ended up working at the White House. And so I I was around George H.W. Bush uh, when he was vice president and when he was running for president. And I was able to go to the White House several times. And... um, one time I, I sat at breakfast with him at a table of ten of eight people with the president, and we ran around the table and asked questions. That had to be so cool. So I consider that an interview. Now, it was not like a Tucker Carlson or Bill O'Reilly interview right. with a chair here and a chair here. Right. Uh, with George W. Bush, I was, in, I was invited to the White House. I was so nervous and so focused. I, I, it was a Roosevelt room or one of those rooms. And there were six journalists. They were all, uh, somebody was there from Christianity Today. There was one from a Methodist publication. So it was obviously the Christian uh, vote. That was a real interview. Mm-hmm. 
where they invited me as a Christian journalist with Trump. Um, I was all in for Trump. Mm-hmm. I frankly didn't like him for all the reasons people don't like him. You know, he was, a, I didn't even like the apprentice, but when it, when it came to several things, one is I found out that he was really for our values and also it was him or Hillary Clinton and sorry for getting political on you. <laughs> Hillary I, Clinton was a historically bad candidate. <laughs> that's exactly right. I asked for 20 minutes. I got 10 minutes. So I went ready. I went ready. I had two staff with me, and I said, we're not going to take a picture. We're not going to do anything. We're going to go in. And he had gone to get a bottle of water off a table. That oh, not a Diet Coke? No, not a, it was a bottle of water. They had left some water there. And... Um, as I was coming in, before we even introduced, he asked me if I wanted a bottle of water. Now, he didn't need to do that. There's no protocol that you mm-hmm. offer someone water. But that let me see that he was really a nice guy. And with George H.W., with George Bush, George W. Bush, with the six, he kept looking. You know, he was, I have a lot of respect for him. I published a book called The Faith of George W. Bush. Um, I think he did a lot of great things as presidency, but he was always looking at his watch. With Donald Trump, at least, I had him mm-hmm. for 10 minutes. He, fo- he was respectful. He gave me thoughtful answers. And, um, in fact, if any of your listeners would like to try it out, they can Google the Strang Report, which is my podcast. Mm-hmm. Put in the Strang Report, Donald Trump, August 2016, and it will almost certainly pop up because... I had an interview and I made it into a podcast. And so they can hear the interview themselves. And we finished. I didn't let a second be wasted. We ended up with like two minutes. And he asked us if we wanted pictures. <laughs> he didn't need to do that. So I'm kind of, so of course, the, my two staff that were with me, each of us posed for pictures. So that's why he was very winsome. Of course, I told him that I, I was endorsing him for president. That helps. <laughs> that helped me. I, and, uh, you know, I asked him policy questions. I didn't ask him gotcha questions. But I also, uh, I remember somebody asked um, Barack Obama how we could encourage Christians to be involved in more volunteerism. Well, there's nothing wrong with volunteerism. But, I mean, I, it, to me, it was a... It was a throwaway question. I didn't ask Trump anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I have had occasion to tell that story several times. That's why I wrote, I wrote the book. And to me, <laughs> um, it's part of being led by the Spirit. One mm-hmm. of the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of prophecy, the gift of wisdom, uh, the gift of faith, to even believe. Uh, you know, and I read recently in the Bible th- this scripture about having faith to remove mountains. In fact, that's what the Christian community, we, we need to pray against this mountain of wokeness and some of the other things that are going on. And the culture has changed before. There have been really bad times in human history. If you study the history of Luther's day, uh, their society and culture at the time, the church of the time, was pretty bad. That's oh, why I know how bad it was. That's, that's why, why God raised up Luther and yeah. Calvin and some of the other reformers. And there's other examples that I could um, give as well. We live in very interesting times. It's not boring at all, is it? Well, there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, the very the fall of man, uh, Satan convinced 
Eve and ultimately Adam that uh, there was something outside that they should be seeking, something, some other thing that they should be that they should be looking for, that they can find their their ultimate satisfaction in something outside of God. And we've been chasing it ever since, um, uh, you know, the, through through the good old days, as you described, and even now with all that's going on now, it's a constant problem that we are fighting, and it is a spiritual battle that we are fighting. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against some of these woke things and some of the stuff that's going on in the, you know, in the news is just, you know, the, the fact they're trying to keep Trump off the ballot. Uh, these college, uh, university presidents that testified in Congress, if you remember, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing about the Israel-Hamas war is very, very concerning. But you know what? We have some wins, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a couple of these university presidents had to step down. A lot of people are, are uh, the left is actually being split over pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian. Who would have thought? The left is being split over, is plagiarism by a university president okay, or is it something that should result in firing? I mean, who would have thought? So maybe it's like the Old Testament. Remember where um, the the angels made the enemy fight themselves and they ran away and mm-hmm. the lepers were there and they were able to go. Maybe that's happening. You know, I mean, a lot of us have been praying mm-hmm. that the Lord, but it seems like the Lord doesn't necessarily answer our prayers the way we think they should. What is this uh, newest book about? Well, I have written a few books, but I've published over 2,000. Huh. You know, when I tell my occupation, I say I'm a publisher. Uh, in 2017, I felt that there was an untold story with God and Donald Trump. And in the publishing business, when you have success with one book, it spawns other books. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed meeting Donald Trump, as I told you. And uh, it was interesting being on the other side of the equation. But the last, the book before this was called uh, God and Cancel Culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, cancel Culture has been around a long time. Of course, Hitler tried to cancel the Jews. Right. You know, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to describe cancer culture is a fairly new term in our language. But this time I felt I needed to write about the Holy Spirit. But it's also very practical. I was telling somebody recently, it's really a how to book in a way. You know how sometimes uh, you know that you should eat healthy, but you need it's good to read something or, you know, you should be a positive thinker. Or you should get a handle on your finances. Well, for someone, you know, a lot of people will have a walk with the God. With God, they'll be very sincere, but it becomes been there, done that. Mm-hmm. It's not new. It's not fresh. And they get discouraged. I see in the body of Christ. I see a lot of discouragement. My book gives hope, and it's also very practical. I have a whole chapter on goal setting because I believe that if we're going to be led by the Spirit of God, we need to have God-sized goals and say, God, what do you want us to do? Available in many bookstores, but mainly on Amazon, of course. Mm-hmm. If they come to my own website, um, we they can get a signed copy. My website is called stevestrangbooks.com. It's my name, Steve Strang Books with an S, all like one word. And if sometimes sometimes people like something authored mm-hmm. by the or signed by the author. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. So you saw this early, it seems, because you started in print magazine. 
then uh, we move into the 90s. The internet comes into play. So then you you obviously have to go digital too. You can't just go print anymore. It's uh, and now uh, you're you're just a media conglomerate where you've got podcasts. You're you're doing you know streams. You've got. I, do you still have the print? Uh, Charisma is only online. We call yeah. it Charisma Magazine Online. Mm-hmm. Is actually the same thing that was in print, but we we reach millions of people right. instead of you know couple hundred thousand but essentially like you've you've evolved with the times you have kept up with it and 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 continue to we have no option you change or die right and uh so where do you see all this going even 10 years from now (laughs) i can't predict because when i started we started with manual typewriters (laughs) we weren't even our typesetting was not even computerized believe it or not my goodness and when I started, I could have never envisioned what we now call the Internet. We, we probably heard that the military had something that would communicate if there was nuclear war. That's why they started it in the 60s. Um, when the Internet started, I can remember discussions we had. Uh, what would it look like? Who would the winners and losers be? And I don't really know. But I'm trying. I, I have a great team of people. And I'm focused on the next generation, and I want to have people with a vision and passion who want to serve God and serve the Christian community in a way similar that my wife Joy and I have all these years. And if that's the case, the Lord will lead them and guide them. Thank you, Steve, for joining us in studio. We really appreciate it. Uh, This has been Invested with Purpose making the most of your time, talent, and treasure. Invested with Purpose is brought to you by Timothy Partners Limited, advisor to the Timothy Plan Funds. Timothy Plan is a family of biblically responsible mutual funds and ETFs. For more information, please visit Timothy Plan's website at www.timothyplan.com. Some of our podcast guests may have a relationship with Timothy Partners Limited on behalf of Timothy Plan, including affiliations, partnerships, or sponsorships. However, guests are not compensated for their appearances and their opinions do not constitute paid testimonials. Please be aware that investments carry risks and individual experiences may vary. Consult with a financial advisor for personalized advice. And remember to find us on all of the major social media platforms such as YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.